Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe. I'm Molly Birnbaum, Editor-in-Chief of America's Test Kitchen Kids. And I'm the incredible, mystical Mitzi. Oven Mitt, co-host of this show, and aspiring magician, we have a magical show for you all today. Every week on Mystery Recipe, we'll be talking about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient. And at the end of the season, we'll use all the ingredients to cook a mystery recipe together. That's right. It's day two of Leavener's Week, and we're going to get things bubbling with a gassy round of tricky trivia. Then, Chad is back with an activist who knows all about rising up for Ask a Grown-Up. And we'll finish off today's three-course information meal with a round of how-to time with Andrea. Ah, I'm so excited. Me too. Also, aspiring magician? Yep. All this talk about levitation has inspired me to study the mysterious and ancient craft of sleight of hand. I'm not sure how ancient sleight of hand is. Eh, I'm doing an adapted version I like to call lack of hand, sleight of mitt. Can I see what you've been working on? Why, of course, Molly. For my next trick, I will make the theme song magically begin. Uh, wait for it. (laughs) Wait for it. Parker, now, cue the theme. Sorry, boss. Looks good. I bet it tastes good. Ooh. Like a double agent? Mystery recipe. Ah, we're still working on it. Practice makes perfect. Hey, boss. Hey, boss's boss. That one was totally my bad. It's hard to hear you from outside the studio. It's okay. Maybe I should get us walkie-talkies. Oh, can I expense those, Molly? It's for magic. Maybe we can talk about it at the next budget meeting. But I don't see Diane signing off. Anyway, right now it's time for Tricky Trivia. Wahoo! I am so ready for this. In Tricky Trivia, I will say a fact about our special ingredient theme, and Parker gets to help the listeners guess whether it's true or false. Here's your first one. Sometimes, when cooking or baking, you just use baking soda, sometimes just baking powder, and sometimes both. So, Parker, is that true or false? Do you sometimes just use baking soda, sometimes just baking powder, and sometimes both? Well, Molly... I think I should be able to use my deductive reasoning skills to figure this one out. Hmm, we've talked about how sometimes you use just baking soda, and acid helps that one produce carbon dioxide to add lift to baked goods. And we've talked about how sometimes you just use baking powder, because baking powder contains baking soda plus a powdered acid, So all it needs is water to start working. But both? My first instinct is to say false, because we haven't talked about that yet. 
but that's exactly the tricky thing you like to do in tricky trivia. And just because we haven't talked about how you can use both baking soda and baking powder doesn't mean it's not a possibility. So, true? Well done, Parker. That is correct. It is true. Sometimes we use just baking soda, and sometimes just baking powder, and sometimes both. Awesome! Why both? Well, baking soda, as we know, is activated when it comes in contact with an acid, like yogurt or vinegar, producing carbon dioxide to give batters or dough a lift. But more baking soda doesn't mean more lift. Baking soda will react with the acid you have in your recipe. But once it runs out of acid, it will no longer give lift. And leftover, unactivated baking soda doesn't taste great. So adding some baking powder, which already contains the perfect proportion of acid within, can add even more bubbly CO2 to your batter or dough. Okay, that makes sense. Baking soda needs an acid to create lift, but we might not want to have a ton of yogurt or vinegar or buttermilk in whatever we're baking. So adding baking powder as well can give us the extra lift we need without loading up on acid. Exactly. Okay, here's your next one. True or false, most of the baking powder we use today is double-acting baking powder. Hmm, like a double agent? Baking powder that looks like it's an unassuming chemical leavener, but it's actually something else too. Like when you think a spy is working on your baked goods, but really, it's been spying on you the whole time. Seems false to me. This one is actually true, Parker. Modern baking powders are double-acting, meaning they release some of their carbon dioxide when they're mixed with a liquid and the rest when they heat up, not because they are spies. True, single-acting baking powders release all their gas when mixed with liquid and are rarely made anymore. Huh, who would have thought? No spies in the leaveners. I thought they were just <laughs> leavening the playing field. Eh? Parker, slam dunk, three-point shot, nothing but net. Woo, I don't sport, so whichever of those is worth the most points because that was a winner. All right, last one. True or false, baking soda isn't just for batters and doughs. It can help cook lots of other things, from meat to beans and veggies. Well, that sounds really weird to me, Molly. Baking soda in meat? Doesn't it produce carbon dioxide? If you don't have gluten there to catch it, what's the point? Plus, it's called baking soda, not grilling soda. False. This one is actually true, too. It's a trick that we use at America's Test Kitchen a lot. Baking soda can do so much more than just leaven batters and doughs. It has to do with acids and bases, which are two special kinds of chemicals. Acids and bases are like opposites, like hot and cold or wet and dry. Baking soda is a base. Adding baking soda to ground beef before cooking makes the meat more basic as well, which helps keep it tender and moist when cooked. And adding basic baking soda to beans while they're cooking helps to break down the cell walls of the beans, making them more tender faster. And boiling vegetables in water treated with baking soda. 
which, surprise, makes the water more basic, actually helps stabilize the chlorophyll, which is what makes vegetables green. So baking soda in the water will help keep green vegetables green. Cotton fibers! Who knew baking soda could do all these things? It's pretty magical, isn't it? Well, that's all the time we have today. Thank you, Parker. Up next, our friend Chad is back with another edition of Ask a Grown-Up. Today, he's talking to Paula Velez, who is both a baker and an activist. But first, it's time for a word from our sponsors. Grown-ups, these ads are for you. Hey, grown-ups. If you're anything like me, it's easy to let grocery shopping fall to the bottom of your to-do list. Kroger's grocery delivery service has taken the stress out of the process. You don't even need to leave your house. Shop online and get fresh groceries delivered to your house in as little as an hour. And who doesn't love a delivery? My daughter Olive sure does. It's a package. What do you think is in it? I don't know. This is all special for you, Olive. The nice people at Kroger sent us all these snacks just for you. Learn more at Kroger.com. What does that look like? A tree. A tree? It kind of looks like grapes. And what's that? I don't know. Hi, grown-ups. We wanted to tell you about Driscoll's Blackberries. Here at Mystery Recipe, we know that kids will always give us an honest take on any situation. So we gave them the mic and asked them some questions. Let's talk about blackberries. What can you tell me about them? Like, sweet but also taut. And juicy. Like, it's a good balance. I don't really share my blackberries because they taste good. So they're all mine. Driscoll's worked hard to cultivate sweet and juicy blackberry varieties that have a delicious flavor. These kids love them, and we think yours might too. Find out more on how Driscoll's grows only the finest berries at driscolls.com. Okay, I gotta go. And we're back, just in time for Ask a Grown-Up. Take it away, Chad. Thanks, Molly. Today, I'm talking with Paula Velez. Paula is the executive pastry chef at the Washington, D.C. restaurants Maidan and Compass Rose and was nominated for the James Beard Rising Star Chef of the Year Award for chefs 30 and under who are likely to make a big impact on the industry. Paula helped start an online movement that encouraged bakers across the country to bake and sell snacks and treats in order to raise money to fight racism. This bake sale movement, called Bakers Against Racism, has raised over $2 million for racial justice organizations. Bakers Against Racism started in June of 2020 in response to the anger and sadness many people in our country felt when a black man named George Floyd was murdered by police. Paula's response was to find a way to use her skills to make an impact, and she did exactly that. Paula, can I ask you to introduce yourself to our listeners, please? Hi, I'm Paula Liz, and I'm the executive pastry chef at both Maidan uh, DC and Compass Rose DC, where I make a lot of sweet treats. Sounds amazing. And Paula, something else that I know about you is that you're also the co-founder of Bakers Against Racism. Is that true? Yeah, I am the co-founder of Bakers Against Racism, and that's an organization that helps fight for 
good causes, you know, social justice causes. And, you know, it, it's always really easy to make sure that we can bake the world a better place. When did you start Bakers Against Racism? So Bakers Against Racism is an organization that started this year in June of 2020. When we saw the death of George Floyd, we were moved and burdened and we wanted to do something that made sense. A lot of pastry chefs, all we know how to do is make cookies and cakes and a few plated desserts. But I figured that if we could band together enough of us, we could really do and make a difference using something that we know how to do, which is bake. That's great. And so you recognized an issue that you cared a lot about that you wanted to participate in in helping to solve. And you said you wanted to try and band together a lot of bakers. Can I ask how you went about doing that? One of the co-founders, Willa Pellini, she reached out to me once she saw that I finished a month-long bake sale that I was hosting. She thought perhaps we could do the same thing locally with her restaurant and my restaurant. But unfortunately, I had just finished working for a whole month uh, hosting this pop-up and I was only able to generate maybe $1,000 for a donation. But $1,000, when you think about it, $1,000 isn't a lot of money, actually. So I wanted to make a difference. So when Willa reached out to me, I turned her one idea and I said, what if we had more bakers? What if we gave everything that I learned during my pop-up for a month and then taught everybody else how to do it too? So we did that. We started making like documents on Google and we started using the internet to our advantage. Um, and also I used Instagram as a tool for spreading the word. So we were able to kind of teach everybody what I had learned during this COVID pop-up bake sale. And it just went viral. It was almost overnight that people were like, absolutely, this is exactly what we wanted. We didn't know how to channel our frustration. And so far, we've raised over $2 million. So the amount that the bakers keep raising since June keeps increasing and increasing. Luckily, we're not doing it for a number. That's amazing. So you had experience creating bake sales to raise money for a cause through these pop-ups or temporary shops where you sell the things that you bake. And when Willa Pellini approached you to do another bake sale with her, you instead suggested that you can teach people across the country how to start bake sales of their own and all joined forces in order to raise money together and make a big difference. Can you tell me, how does raising money help support a cause like fighting racism? Why is raising money an important part of that fight? So when you break it down to the uh, simplest terms, money can help an organization run. When I was around seven or eight years old, I was living in the Bronx in New York City. And a lot of the arts programs um, in my after-school program were cut. Actually, all of them were cut. Imagine if somebody was able to fund that program. Organizations that were giving me a place to um, learn and to learn about the arts and music theory. How much more would I know today? 
with Bakers Against Racism, what we're doing is not just donating to Black Lives Matter or the ACLU or the NAACP. We're actually donating to Black Girls Code and to the um, Nova Scotia Black Surfers Fund, you know, the Black Artist Collective. Um, there's so many different aspects of what it means to be a person of color and to be predominantly Black. So we wanted to make sure that people were able to find a cause that is near to their homes and then to be able to bake and donate for those organizations to be able to continue, um, especially during a time like COVID. Paula, how would you define what racism is? To be racist in modern day society is to not have kindness and to not have love and empathy towards another. I do believe that whenever we say Black Lives Matter or not to be racist or to be anti-racist is to be full of so much love that you can't stand to see another person be treated unfairly. So I hope that you are anti-racist and that you are able to love other communities as if they were your own. Paola, we wanted to talk to you during Chemical Leaveners Week because leaveners are such an important part of baking. In lots of baked goods you make and sell, leaveners help a dough or batter rise up to be fluffy and delicious. But rising up as a group of people can mean something different entirely. When a group of people rise up, they might be standing up to those who have been mistreated or rebelling against those in charge who are treating them unfairly. We call these people who rise up activists. Can I ask you what it means to be an activist? I don't consider myself an activist. I consider myself a pastry chef that stood in the gap when we needed it the most. But I feel like activism is actually really simple. It's not as brave as we think it is. You know, to be an activist in your community is as humble and as kind as providing your local sanitation workers with water when it's a hot summer's day. What advice do you have uh, for any young chefs at home who want to become bakers, who want to be involved in their communities? Uh, What advice do you have for them right now? A piece of advice that I guess I would give young bakers or folks that really want to get involved within their communities um, is to not have fear. Your voice is important and your voice is valuable. What you're learning now is going to uh, make sure that our our future is a better place. So be courageous, be strong. 2020 is only just a year, so be encouraged. That's such an amazing answer, Paola. And again, the work that you're doing is so inspiring and so incredible. We are so lucky to talk to you on the show today. So thank you so much for chatting with me. Thank you for having me. Cotton fibers, being an activist sounds like such an inspiring way to stand up and fight for your community. Yeah. Season two is like seasoned community, Molly. It just keeps coming back around to helping others. Well, supporting your community is very important. Speaking of support, can I try out another magic trick on you folks? Please do. Yeah, Mitzi, let's see what you've got. All right. For my next trick, I'll start with my magic mantra. 
Squeaky dicky eerie weary show the dirt the door A spot you've missed that's hard to see you'll surely miss no more Cool And now check behind your right ear Uh there's nothing there, Mitzi. Same Exactly I cleaned behind your ears during the commercial break. I mean, uh, with my magic mantra just now. Gah! I gave away the secret there. Well, it worked. Never seen a trick like that before, either. Seriously, I don't think my ears have ever been this clean before. Yeah, Parker, you should try cleaning back there every once in a while. Noted. Andrea! Hey there, Andrea. Hi, Mitzi. Hi, Molly. Speaking of magic, Andrea's here for how-to time. Andrea is a test cook here at America's Test Kitchen Kids. That means she works on developing recipes and experiments for our cookbooks and things like the Young Chef's Club boxes. Grown-ups, you can find out about all that stuff by going to atkkids.com. Thanks so much for being here. It's my favorite way to spend my day. Parker, are you ready for our lesson? Oh, yeah. Are we going to learn how to lift things? You know, because it's leaveners week? Not exactly. As we've been learning, leaveners do the lifting for us. This week, we're going to learn all about using our tools. You always want to use the right tool for the right task. Today, we're going to go over tools we use for mixing and stirring, as well as when to use which. Oh, I know a little bit about this from our whisking lesson in Vegetable Oil Week. What do you remember, Parker? Well, I remember that we use a whisk when we want all ingredients to be distributed evenly, or... Or to whip air into an ingredient like cream or egg whites. Right! I'm not sure what else I know about mixing tools, though. I imagine that spoons are good to mix... soup. Is that right? That is a very good use for a spoon, Parker, but there are plenty of others. We're going to talk about three main mixing tools and when to use them. The whisk, the rubber spatula, and the wooden spoon. Oh, we have all of those right here in the test kitchen. We sure do. First, can you describe the whisk for our listeners at home? Sure. It looks kind of like a balloon with a handle or a light bulb. The balloony part is made of wires, and those help to break up and distribute ingredients better than a spoon or rubber spatula would. That's right, Parker. What a great description. You were really paying attention. Ah, thanks. Just trying to soak it all in so I can use these lessons at my diner. I can't wait to go. I love diners. In the meantime, back to the lesson at hand. So a whisk is best for beating eggs, whipping air into egg whites or cream, and whisking dry ingredients for recipes like cake or muffins. Cool. What about a rubber spatula? Can you describe it? It looks like a little rubber rectangle with a long handle, like a little shuffle. We have some in the kitchen that are a little rounded, like a spoon, and some that are slanted at the end. Great description, Parker. Rubber spatulas are a great tool because they can mix ingredients like a spoon, but their flat shape makes them ideal for scraping the bottom and sides of a bowl or pot. 
Plus, the rubber part is flexible and can bend a little, which makes them great for reaching every last nook and cranny. They can get into corners that spoons can't reach in order to make sure that no ingredients are left unmixed. You can even do this for something on the stove with a heat-proof rubber spatula. Rubber spatulas are also really good for transferring batters, doughs, and sauces because you can get every last bit out of a bowl or pan. Because you can scrape the sides and make sure you don't leave any yummy goodness behind, right? That's exactly right, Parker. Okay, how about spoons? I don't need to describe that one, right? Everyone knows what a spoon looks like. I think we're probably okay to skip that one, yes. We're going to talk about a specific kind of spoon today, the wooden spoon. How come? There are lots of different kinds of spoons, small spoons that we eat with, slotted spoons that have holes in them, serving spoons, which are very big and used to dish out food, and many more. But the spoon we like the best for stirring is a wooden spoon. I love wooden spoons. I feel like a real chef when I use one. It's a pretty chefy tool. Wooden spoons are much bigger than a spoon you would eat a bowl of soup with. They have long, thin handles and come in different sizes with differently shaped scoops. And they're made of wood. Yes, a very important fact. But why do chefs like them so much? Well, wooden spoons are a great tool for stirring all kinds of things, but in particular, they're great at mixing things on the stove. They don't transfer heat well, so they don't get very hot and won't burn your hand the way a metal spoon would, because metal transfers heat very well. I'm not sure I can burn my hands. I am a potholder after all, but I wouldn't want any of our listeners burning their hands. That's thoughtful, Parker. I wouldn't either. Wooden spoons are also very sturdy, so they're good for stirring big pots of soup or stew without bending or breaking. The fact that they are so stiff and don't bend like the rubber spatula makes them great for breaking things up in a pan, like ground turkey or beef, or scraping up brown bits that stick to the bottom of a pot. Wow, there really is a tool for every job. It sounds like, in general, Rubber spatulas are great for baking, and wooden spoons are better for cooking on a stovetop. In general, yes, that's right. And remember, recipes from ATK Kids will always list which tools you will need to make a recipe right at the beginning, and tell you when to use which one in the steps. That sure is helpful. Good thinking, Andrea. Well, it wasn't my idea, but I do agree. That was amazing. Thank you, Andrea. Anytime, Parker. Also, I know we only have a few how-to times left this season, so I got you a little something. You did not. Here you go. It's a wooden spoon and a rubber spatula. Andrea, they're even potholder size just for me. I wanted to get you something that you can take with you when you start your diner. Listen, this is one of the most thoughtful things, Andrea. I can't wait to bake with this rubber spatula and cook with this wooden spoon. You've got a VIP table with your name on it anytime you want, Andrea. I'll take you up on that offer. All right, Parker. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Andrea. Well, that's about all the time we have today. But we'll be back next time to whip up some science in our pressing questions segment, followed by something heroic in our wild card. And remember, 
at the end of the season, we'll be using all of our ingredients in a very special mystery recipe to cook together. Can you guess what it is? If you love Mystery Recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And if you like our show, leave us a review. It helps other people find us. Until then, keep keep on on cooking. cooking! Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Birnbaum, and I am a bottle of Heinz tomato ketchup. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He is a cupcake. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher. She's a salty sweet chocolate chip cookie. Kaya Williams was the associate producer for this episode. She is a caramel brownie. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Matt Boynton of Ultraviolet Audio. He's the cherry on top. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music and is a fizzy drink. Our post-production supervisor is Ken Margolis, an artichoke. Our production manager is Diane Knox, who is also broccoli. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's a garden-grown green zebra tomato. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's a homemade ravioli. Special thanks to our senior science editor, Paul Adams, deputy editor, Kristen Sargianis, executive food editor, Susanna McFerrin, assistant editor, Katie O'Hara, senior editor, Afton Cyrus, test cook, Andrea Vavjan, and test cook, Cassandra Loftlin. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan and Neo Sihi. Special thanks to Paola Velez from Bakers Against Racism. Thanks again to our sponsors, Kroger and Driscoll's. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kids. For my next trick, I will tame this ferocious tiger! But, Mitzi, that's just Oliver with barbecue sauce stripes? grown-ups, I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts, and we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win. 